Are you ready to take your business to the next level? Every day there are countless books and articles that are published offering the key on how to make your business a success. It's easy to feel overwhelmed trying to keep up and run your business. That's why Deb Creer created the Business Power Hour. Keep up on the latest trends, best practices, and techniques for how to make your business a success. Let the Business Power Hour do the heavy work for you. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about giving professionals the tools that they need to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And today, we're going to have so much fun. Actually, this is take two because I forgot to hit recording at the start, but we're going to be talking with the fabulous Nancy Yonker, and this is going to be a great program. So, uh, Nancy, thank you so much for joining us today. You're welcome, Deb. It's such a privilege to be here. You're a very professional and consummate host. Except when I forget to hit record. (laughs) So let me tell people a little bit about you, and then we really will just dive into this. So Nancy Yonker, PhD, has over 31 years of experience in the leadership transformation space and has mentored over 220 leaders on four different continents. She is the host of the Audacious Leaders podcast, which... I've been a guest on, and is founder of Audacious Leaders MO, a program that catapults leaders to new heights through leveraging mindset, cutting-edge principles in neuroscience and psychology, and the four signature strengths of their team. Nancy works as a trusted advisor and consultant, offering executive workshops and retreats. So again, Nancy, welcome. Thank you so much, Deb. And one of the things I like to do right at the beginning is give people three action steps that they can take that will help them show up as audacious leaders, whatever they might be leaders of. Mm -hmm. So the very first thing is power poses. And that's taking any expansive stance, Mm -hmm. be sitting back with your arms behind your head and your feet up on the desk. It can be the Wonder Woman stance can be the victory pose. Mm -hmm. When we do that for two minutes, we actually shift our internal chemistry Mm. and we increase our confidence hormone and decrease the stress hormone, cortisol. And we actually end up then being more of ourselves Mm -hmm. in whatever setting we're going into. Mm. So whether it be an interview or a meeting or a challenging conversation, it can be really helpful to have that power pose Mm -hmm ahead of time. You can do that in the bathroom stall even, right? Right, right. You're in there going, (sighs) (laughs) maybe you shouldn't breathe deep. Somebody else in there might think something was weird. (laughs) So the second thing to help people really show up as audacious leaders is to have a daily gratitude practice. Okay. And gratitude can sound almost old hat because Mm -hmm. we've talked about it for a good long time, but we still don't really know anything better Because gratitude raises our vibration and it shifts actually our perspective. So we might be writing the three things that we're grateful for in the Mm -hmm. morning and the three things that we're grateful for in the evening before retiring. But what happens is because of the reticular activating system, this little part of our brain that filters out so much of our stimuli Mm -hmm. in our environment, we, we start paying attention to the things that we're grateful for. So it actually shifts what we notice and what we focus on. Mm-hmm. So it becomes a very, very powerful practice. Right. And we're looking the at the positives thing. as opposed to the negatives. Exactly. Exactly. And, and when we are looking for the things that we can be grateful for, mm-hmm. we find them and then mm-hmm. they multiply. So it's a beautiful thing, right? Right. Mm-hmm. The third thing is what I call a resilience practice, and it's a way that we can manage setbacks. There's literature around this in the uh, mindful Mm -hmm. self-compassion literature uh, that Kristen Neff has uh, really led the way with her research. Mm -hmm. But um, what this is, is it's a three-part process where we start by being mindful And that is that we're self-aware about what's going on and what our reactions are to things Mm -hmm. that are going on in our day. And we neither minimize it, like dismiss it, Mm -hmm. and we don't catastrophize, 
We don't make it bigger than it is. Right. We're just mm-hmm. mindful about it. Then the second thing is we approach ourselves with kindness. Mm-hmm. And whether that be a soothing touch or kind words, mm-hmm. a kind tone of voice, um, this really matters because so many people, and you probably know this by talking to lots and lots of people in your, in your life and in your podcast, is we can be really, really rough on ourselves. Mm. Oh, yes, horribly. Yes, we often, like we, we say things that we would not say to a friend and probably not even someone that we don't care very much about. Right. But what we say to ourselves in that internal mm-hmm. background is, is often quite, quite demeaning. Mm-hmm. And so it's paying attention to that and, and treating ourselves then with kindness. Mm-hmm. And then the third thing, and I've got these out of order, but is to um, remember the common humanity. So oftentimes when we go through a setback, we tend to feel alone and Mm -hmm. we feel separated from people. Mm -hmm. And so that that common humanity, we we actively call to mind what what is going on with other people too and how Mm -hmm. other people struggle with these things so that we actively connect ourselves rather than separate ourselves. Mm -hmm. So those are three things right off the bat, power poses, Mm -hmm. daily gratitude practice, Mm -hmm. and this resilience or Mm self-compassion. I can't say that word, right? Self-compassion practice. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and I love this, especially for small business owners and entrepreneurs who may be completely by themselves. Um, They don't have employees. They don't have a physical location. You know, maybe they're, you know, home-based and, they that little voice in their head for a lot of things is is always there and and always going and you know and some of it comes you know obviously comes back up from when we were kids you know that you're too stupid you're too fat you're too whatever that somebody may have told us you know a parent a teacher a sibling if a friend right. um you know all those various things but when we're by ourselves somewhere, you know, in your, your spare bedroom, you know, which has now become the worldwide headquarters of, those voices really start going, you know, and we don't look for gratitude. We, you know, the, the, the voices tend to take over. And so I love that that is something that you really want people to focus on. Yes. And we can interrupt that whole process, right? Because I think you're right. When we spend so much time alone, if our self-talk mm-hmm. is not, is not um, uplifting to us, mm-hmm then we really do ourselves a disservice right. and we, we doubled the difficulty of our task. And it can be just little things, but they start adding up. Um, you know, I'm, it's the, the end of the month as, as we're recording this. And so I was working on last year's finances to get it ready to go to the tax person. And, you know, I'm looking through my books and that little voice went, I can't believe you spent so much on X <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. and, you know, or boy, that was a waste, you know, all of these various things and, and that little negative voice. Now it wasn't, it wasn't terribly nasty, but you know, there are times where it would be, you know, and, and so, yeah, we just have to push those aside, you know, now we need to acknowledge it because it's like, okay, why did I spend that money? And do I, you know, was it something I need to not do again or, or things like that? But it doesn't have to be you <clears throat> idiot. Why did you do that? Exactly. Right. And that's, and that's really striking that balance, mm-hmm. isn't it? Between like not ignoring stuff right. that we actually need to mm-hmm. take a look at, but then not being so down and hard on ourselves mm-hmm. that it makes it almost too difficult mm-hmm. to learn from whatever is in right. front of us. Mm-hmm. And of course, that's the important thing is to learn, you know, don't repeat it. Or if it was good, you know, repeat it, but you need to know how to repeat it and probably even make some improvements on it. Right, right. And so one of the things too, we know this from um, some research that's been done both at uh, U of M and at Mm -hmm. Michigan State, is that the way we talk to ourselves, like we're much wiser if we use our name when we talk to ourselves. Ah it actually seems to use another part of the brain. And Mm. so um, in the self-compassion literature, sometimes Mm -hmm. we'll talk about uh, using an endearing term, Mm. right? So you might, you might, like I might say, hey, Nance, Mm -hmm. go in there, or maybe you could learn from this. Mm -hmm. You could add like a a sweetheart or a dear or a Mm -hmm. other endearing Mm -hmm. term. Yeah, it's like you were saying, that's kind of that comfort thing. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, you know, it's so interesting we're, that we're talking about this in the business context. Right. Mm-hmm. But I, what I find is that so many business owners feel the, the loneliness really mm-hmm. of leading right. and, and also aren't necessarily familiar with some of these things mm-hmm. that, that actually form some of the basis of that emotional intelligence mm-hmm. and how we lead with ourselves and then how we lead by example mm-hmm. and how we can lead our people and help develop them. Right. And when we can create that sense of kindness toward ourselves, mm-hmm. that starts to get reflected out and have that ripple effect in mm-hmm. terms of the people that we're, we're leading. Right. You know, and it's funny when we meet people, you know, say a networking event, we know the people who are generating that positivity. And then we also know, oh, don't go talk to them. <laughs> you know, they're, they're, you know, they've got that, that gray cloud that's, that's above them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we have no idea why, you know, but it, and, and so hopefully we're drawn to the positive people um, because, you know, who wants to go talk to somebody who's going to, to whine and carry on? You know, I want to go talk to the person who's going to say, oh, my gosh, you're not going to believe the coolest thing that happened to me. Um, you know, and, and so, you know, that's what we want. To, we want to be, you know, having that positive outlook also. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and to be the kind of people that feel energized mm-hmm. just by being around us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. It, it's funny. There's a, a meme that I see on Facebook every once in a while that, that it's, it's a cartoon, you know, or uh, drawing and it said, you know, this is what you should be. And so it's, you know, the you, you know, there's, there's little you and it's yellow. And then it goes into a crowd and that yellow starts spreading out. And so clearly it's, I mean, you know, my thought is sunshine, positive things like that. I mean, you know, that's the yellow that you're seeing Mm -hmm. and it really is that way. you know, it's, it's, it's really hard to be gloom and doomy around the person that's happy. Right. So, you know, you're going to, to help spread that happiness and that positive energy. Right. Right. And there's so much to be said for the optimism, Mm -hmm. right? Like we can really, when we can train our negative thoughts, like Mm -hmm. when we become aware of them Mm -hmm. and, and can stop them Mm -hmm. and eliminate them, even if we do it half the time, right. Right. We are doing again, such a service to Mm -hmm. ourselves and to people around us because it really is true that we have that ripple effect Mm -hmm. and that the energy transfers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, of course, it's important that that we kind of, you know, as much as we can, eliminate that negativity also. Um, you know, when you're in Facebook, you know, don't read those posts that are negative, for, you know, whatever it is, whether it's politics, sports, the weather, you know, whatever, just just don't go there, um, you know, and and and. And it's funny because people say, well, you know, everybody always just posts the positive, happy things on Facebook. I'm thinking, where are those people? Um, but, but yeah, I, you know, I don't, I don't read those negative posts, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and now granted they're, they're, again, we're not burying our head in the sand. We have to know what's going on in the world. Um, you know, there's this little thing called coronavirus. you know, there's politics. I mean, we do need to know these things, but we don't want to dwell on them. What a wonderful distinction, Deb. Not dwelling on them, right? We can actually dwell in possibility, right? Right. Yes. So you know, your company is uh, is all about being an audacious leader, and I love that because from a marketing perspective, you know, I've I've always been told we need to have B hags. People are like B hags. So you have a big, hairy, audacious goal, and what that means is it's a goal that is almost unattainable, you know, and, and which to me, that's not really a good goal. I mean, why do you want to have a goal that you can't reach? Um, you know, and, and so that's where audacious is in my world, but I love that, that you want to want people to be audacious leaders. So tell us a lot more about that. Well, it's such an interesting thing. Again, like this name came about, um, almost, not quite by accident, but, you know, sort of through this evolution. Mm-hmm. And what I found is that people found it very aspirational, right? Mm-hmm. Like permission to be audacious, because what we tend to do is hang back. We tend right. to be in our comfort zone. Mm-hmm. We tend to be timid rather we than... We don't want to get embarrassed. Right, mm-hmm. right. We're, we, we're self-protecting, mm-hmm. right? And so, and so when you give yourself permission to be audacious... Mm-hmm. It's actually from the Latin word bold, well, whatever the Latin word for bold mm-hmm. would be. Mm-hmm. And, and I love it because when I think like, 
what, what would an audacious woman do? What would an audacious leader do? Mm. Then I realized like I could take like two more steps beyond even what I'm inclined mm -hmm. to do. And so it gives me that freedom. And, mm -hmm. and that's what I find with others too, that there's like this, this sense of permission and mm -hmm. confidence that grows just from them saying, I can be an audacious leader. Mm -hmm. And for a while, I was running an audacious women's group. And what we, what we came up with as the tagline was audacious, gracious, and tenacious. Ah, and I so like that. It's, it's an interesting thing. And you've probably seen this too. When we give ourselves permission to be all of who we are mm -hmm. and not hold back to have conversations that we need to have, to say the things that need to be said, mm -hmm. we can actually do it in a very gracious mm -hmm. way. Right. And we can and we can bring our own tenaciousness or determination, mm -hmm. um, a playful spirit. Like I think, audacious sort of encapsulates all of that, mm -hmm. and and it helps us just move beyond where we would normally go. Mm -hmm. Right, and and I love that you include gracious in there, because for for many people they think, well, you know, if I'm going to do all of that, I'm going to tell it the way it is. Well, okay, there's, there's telling it the way it is. There's deliberately hurting somebody's feelings. You know, there's being a bee about it. Um, you know, all these various things. And, and so by being gracious, it's almost like we're, we're thinking, what would happen if somebody told me that? You know, and, and sometimes, yeah, it might hurt, I mean, you know, especially, but, but you don't want to deliberately hurt someone. Right. And, and it is an art. Right. Mm -hmm. To be able right. to say what needs to be mm -hmm. said and do it, you know, to allow ourselves to be audacious, but not in an overbearing kind mm -hmm. of way, not in a careless or reckless way, mm -hmm. but but in a gracious way. And and one where we we respect our own right to show mm -hmm. up authentically. But that means we also respect the rights of everyone to have their mm -hmm. own unique style and, and freedom to be themselves. Mm -hmm. Right. Now. It, th this just sprung into my mind. Is it harder for women to do this than for men? Well, that is such an interesting question because um, I think that women have their own struggle with it, right? Mm -hmm. Like we might tend to be more timid or mm -hmm. might um, hang back. Um, but, but I think when we're talking about like the overarching concept of audaciousness, I have found men who really, really resonate with the concept as well. Mm -hmm. And, and so, um, well, you, you have a background working with women. I have a background working with women. And so, um, I do, I do love working with women and helping them with this mm -hmm. because with men, I, what I find like with business owners, with men, sometimes um, they're afraid of being the bull in the china shop. Right. And so rather than saying what needs to be said, they hold back. Mm -hmm. And this is so often the case, whatever we fear doing, we end up doing more of. Mm -hmm. um, and so when, like there was this one business owner that I was working with and he, he believed that there was no room for his style because he was mm -hmm. very, very direct. Mm -hmm. And so he would try to keep his mouth shut basically. Mm -hmm. And then we know what happens with that, right? You get the build, the frustration builds and builds. Right, right. And then what does come out is not gracious at all. No, no, no so, tact, no gracious. <laughs> so if you Bad words. Audaciousness, I think about it as really giving ourselves permission mm -hmm. to be who we are and to be that freely with, without apology. And again, we're not mm -hmm. talking about being overbearing right. and we long to say things so that it comes out in a really frustrated kind of demeaning mm -hmm. way mm -hmm. but really but really acknowledging everyone's right or ability to be their authentic selves mm -hmm. right so ao it's it's interesting because it is obviously a skill you know and and something that many people need to learn so how do you work with people to kind of help them bring that out yeah, we, we, we bring out our audaciousness. Ooh, that sounds like something fun. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? That's what I mean. It sounds fun. It sounds aspiring. And so I have, I have a system that I use and have um, created a model around it. And it's really a discovery process mm -hmm. and then an integration process that enables us to flow. Mm -hmm. And so the first thing that we really discover is our strengths. 
Okay. And many people don't know um, what their strengths are. Mm-hmm. And so that's the, that's the first process. And then, and then a lot of people don't actually know that there's three parts of the mind. Mm. We, we all tend to know about the thinking mm-hmm. and the feeling, right? The right. thinking, the IQ, the mm-hmm. expertise, mm-hmm. the knowledge that we have, and then the feeling, the motivation, our mm-hmm. personality. We're used to having those things assessed. Mm-hmm. But there's such a thing as the conative, the actual how we do things. Mm. It's our instinctive approach to problem solving that mm-hmm. stays stable over the course of our lifetime. So when people don't know what those strengths are, they can't work efficiently. Mm. And so that's the very first thing that we do mm-hmm. in our program is we help them discover what their strengths are. Uh, there's, there's wonderful tools for that. And, and so it opens up a whole new world for people oftentimes. Mm-hmm. And we can take that further. We can look at how they interact as a team around those strengths and it becomes just really an important thing for them to um, not only become more efficient, but understand how they best work, mm-hmm. how they can go with the grain, how they don't need to um, work against themselves, mm-hmm. like paddling upstream. So again, that's the first thing that we do. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then we move into this process of cultivating potential. And that's in ourselves and in the people around us and in our teams. And um, you you might be familiar with the concept of a growth mindset versus Mm -hmm. a fixed mindset Mm -hmm. from Carol Dweck. And um, I'm a clinical psychologist by training. That's what Mm -hmm. my PhD is actually in. And so as I would work with people over time, we were always looking for whatever health that was there, and then we would be expanding it Mm -hmm. in a developmental model. And I think that that's one of the most effective leadership models as well. It's developmental in nature. People's abilities are not fixed. Mm -hmm. And when they have a growth mindset, what that means is that there's freedom and flexibility to grow. Mm -hmm. And and so it allows us to become more vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Because if we think that our abilities are fixed, what, what we end up doing sometimes is we hide. Right. We don't want our, our fallibilities to be uncovered. Mm-hmm. And so we might not take risks. We might not do the things that would expose us. Mm-hmm. We might not let ourselves be vulnerable. But when we have that growth mindset, we can actually move into that. Mm-hmm. You couple that with some of the things that we talked about right at the beginning of this conversation about the resilience practice mm-hmm. and the gratitude and so on. What it means is that it enables us to take more risks mm-hmm. because we're not so afraid that we're going to fall flat and not be able to get up again. Mm-hmm. So um, anyway, th- this is part of the process of how we work with people. Mm-hmm. And I, I have these three things that I say that people like Romeo has to be a Romeo. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is that we need to work in areas that really allow for our strengths. Okay. And we need to have a role that fits us. Mm-hmm. And if as business owners or leaders, we're in a role that doesn't fit us, we're, we're constantly um, wearing ourselves out mm-hmm. and working against ourselves. And so, uh, again, a business owner that I was working with, once he found out what his strengths were and then was able to really live into that role and do things his own way, oh, man, his, his health improved, his relationships improved, everything improved because mm-hmm. he was allowed to really lead in his own style. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm going to take a sip of water here. Well, and so many times, especially as a small business owner, we behave and, and lead the way we think other people think we should. Um, you know, and, and that's what, I mean, you know, we've, we've all seen the people who, you know, they're the authoritarian leaders. Well, you know, that's not the way they are, but they just think they have to always be in command. And, and especially with women. I mean, you know, that's, I've seen that so many times with women who think that they have to be, you know, they, they have to be the, the bitch. Let's just, you know, because no one will respect them. No one will pay attention to them unless they are this, you know, non-emotional, non-feeling you know, authoritarian figure. 
And that's not who they are. And so, you know, you, you really see those clashes happen with them. And, you know, the same thing happens with men too, because, you know, men have emotions, men have, you know, but they think, well, we can't ever show them because that's not what a good leader does. Yes. And so again, what a, what a wonderful thought it is for people to realize that they can be the kind of leader that they are naturally um, able to be. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes I call that like, just be yourself leadership. Right. And again, that that's not a cop out. That's not mm-hmm. like saying like, I'm just, I'm just going to show up as me and everybody right. mm-hmm. like take it or leave it. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a developed art form mm-hmm. really about how they lead as themselves. Mm-hmm. They show up authentically. They, they lead with vulnerability, mm-hmm. right? Brene Brown talks a lot about brave leaders mm-hmm. and this whole place of vulnerability and how that changes the culture in an organization. And, and when people are free to be themselves in a very respectful, gracious way, mm-hmm. um, it opens up so many new possibilities, right? Because, you know, sometimes, again, working with women, sometimes we see that there's a lot of um, obligation or mm-hmm. guilt or timidity mm-hmm. or um, overcompensation, as you're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. I have to do it this way or I mm-hmm. won't be respected. And so finding finding one's own like center point and balance and then radiating out from there, mm-hmm. I think there's nothing more powerful. Right. And so there's so much to be said for finding out what our strengths are and then and then really allowing them to shine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the hard part is the people who might be the introverts, might be timid. You know, all these various things are thinking, well, but if I'm true to myself, my employees, my staff, my clients, my whoever, are never going to pay attention to me. Or worse, they're going to walk all over me. You know, and, and so how do you kind of counterbalance that? Yes. And, you know, there's this whole concept of, well, I can't, I can't do social media if I'm an introvert or I right. can't do um, the kind of leadership. I can't go to networking. I can't, you know, right. I, can't I can't be a leader. Market. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, and I know there's all sorts of ways of getting word out there and mm-hmm. we don't all have to be visible and vocal in the same kind of way. So again, I think that trick is to find the way that works for you mm-hmm. and then to really let that grow. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, one of the things that we talk about, um, I, I use the Colby assessment, and that's really where people find those instinctive strengths. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I'm a, I'm a researcher by nature. And uh, so when I allow myself to use that as part of my marketing, it's one mm-hmm. of the reasons podcast works for me because I love getting to know people and I love getting to know their work and mm-hmm. doing the research ahead of time and, and then letting that grow. So there are some people who do it naturally through research. There are some people who are naturally going to go out and just talk. And mm-hmm. there's people who are naturally going to go out and be on social media. Mm-hmm. And, and so, again, what I'm thinking is that it's so important to get to know yourself, to mm-hmm. develop that self-awareness, and then really have the confidence that you can do it your way in a way right. that works for you. We really don't have to be mimicking other people mm-hmm. and their leadership styles in order to be effective. And in fact, we can actually work to our own detriment when mm-hmm. we try that. Right. Yeah, it's funny. I worked for a CEO one time who, brilliant man. I mean, you know, he he knew what he was doing. Horrible at presenting it to a large group of people. Um, you know, and, and so we worked a lot with presentation skills and, and all of those various things. And, you know, and we never did the, you know, pretend they're all naked type of thing. No, because that's scary. I'm sorry. There would be some people I'd be like, oh, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, you know, it, it, but it, one of his most favorite things in the world to do was we had a, a phone system where you could leave a voicemail message that would go to every single employee. And he loved doing that because he could send, you know, and, and he knew, keep it short. People are really busy. So it was, you know, never more than about 60 seconds long. But he loved to do that. Now, everybody knew, okay, you know, this message went to every single person in the company. But it was so 
much more personalized, so intimate. I mean, you know, you got a voicemail from him. Um, and, and that was his favorite way to communicate good news. Now, he didn't do it for bad, you know, which, which that was probably good. I mean, that would not have been a good thing. But, but yeah, when there were good things that he wanted to communicate, he would just bam out those, those quick little voicemail messages. And, you know, and he, it, he recognized that that was one of his best ways because he, he pictured a one-on-one conversation mm-hmm. as opposed to the standing in front of four and 500 people. Yeah, that's a beautiful example of someone really finding his own way mm-hmm. and, and how he can use whatever technology to work for us, right? right? We have that now. We can leave mm-hmm. video emails mm-hmm. yep. and use the written word, whatever mm-hmm. comes most naturally. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and of course, part of that is that way he and, you know, whoever is doing this, they have control. You know, there's no Q&A, which that's what a lot of people really don't like. You know, it's not the presenting part. It's the, oh my gosh, they're going to ask me questions. Um, you know, and, and so, you know, he, he really liked that. But that was great. I mean, you know, he got those messages out there. And if people had questions, they found ways to, to ask them of him. But, you know, it was just, it, he just recognized that was the best way that he was going to communicate. Yeah, well, it's a beautiful example. And I just think there's so much to be said for people finding their way in, mm-hmm. in their own leadership style. Mm-hmm. And, and again, this whole concept of emotional intelligence, it's getting this resurgence again. Right. And, and people are really recognizing that this is an important concept that mm-hmm. we need to move with. Mm-hmm. Right. And, uh, and so self-awareness is the foundation of that. Mm-hmm. And so whatever people can do to be, become more self-aware, mm-hmm. and, and again, some of those practices we talked about earlier, mm-hmm. that mindfulness, right. um, whether that comes through meditation or mm-hmm. uh, a daily practice of, of journaling or mm-hmm. whatever it is. The other, the other thing that comes to mind just as we're talking mm-hmm. is this whole concept of um, tiny tiny behavior changes. Mm. And, and I think that, you know, this is, it's still kind of close to the new year Mm -hmm. and people make resolutions and we're all quite familiar with the idea by now that resolutions Mm -hmm. don't tend to stick. And so James Clear in his book, Atomic Habits and BJ Fogg in his work with tiny habits. um, The idea is that if we want to make big changes, we start with the smallest unit possible. Right. So, for instance, if I were wanting to start a journaling practice, mm-hmm. um, and there's great research to show that journaling, like, is good for is good for our mm-hmm. health, especially when you're going through something. Mm-hmm. What, like, in the past when I worked with clients around this, they're like, "Well, I want I want to journal, mm-hmm. um, but I've never been able to make that work." Right. So, what we do to make to make that um, a habit that they can actually continue mm-hmm. is to break it down into its smallest unit. So for instance, the task would be that you have a book, right? Maybe it's a spiral bound notebook Mm -hmm. or something Mm -hmm. like that. And the the goal each day is to get it out and to write the date. That's Mm -hmm. it. Right. And you get, you get the the dopamine hit just Mm -hmm. from having that victory. I remembered. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think it is BJ Fogg who talks Mm -hmm. about like, the habit, if you want to start exercising after work, mm-hmm. the goal that you commit to is to put on your tennis shoes mm-hmm. uh, when you get home. Right. Right. And, and people think that's cheating. Like when I'm working with people, they're like, mm-hmm. but Nancy, isn't that cheating? It just seems like too small of a mm-hmm. goal to really count. And it's like, no, no, this mm-hmm. is the building blocks. Right. And they become so important. Mm-hmm. And this whole concept of we can change our behavior, but we want to start with those small units. Mm-hmm that allow for success, that build on one another. Right. Yeah. So I'm a big fan of small, atomic, right. tiny habits. Right. Yeah, because one of those times when you write the date down, you're going to write more. Exactly. You know, and you might not write more than had a great day, <laughs> but it's, it, it does that. And, and it's funny because you mentioned journaling. Um, you know, I grew up in the age when we had diaries. Right. Oh, yes. and, and we got them for Christmas. They had the little locks in them, you know, and I oh, probably yes. would lose the key, you know, and so you're going to pry it apart. Um, and I never got more than two or three weeks. You know, that was just, you know, and, and, and it was funny because 
the, you know, you get it for, you know, you start on January 1st because it's usually a calendar year diary. Mm-hmm. And so I'd write quite a bit the first day. Then the mm-hmm. next day, not quite so much. And finally, by the time I stopped, I'd written like a word the day before. I, or I might have said, <laughs> however you'd write that. Mm-hmm. And then I just didn't get it out again um, because I wasn't seeing any positive benefits to it. But more importantly, it was, you have to do this because grandma gave you that diary. You know, and, and it was like, nah, you know, I, I, I didn't want to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and, and that's, I think the biggest thing is, when we're told we have to do it, that's where it never works. Um, you know, I've had multiple people who, through all of my, my medical issues, have said, we hope you're keeping a journal. And they do it in, you know, the very disapproving tone. And I'm like, no. You know, and, and part of that was, I mean, often my mind was not functioning well enough that I could do it. I mean, you know, that just wasn't going to work. But I, I still... In a, in a way, did it because I have a private Facebook group, and I would post there. You know, here's what happened today. Here's you know, here's here's what I'm going through. Now, I was never gloom and doomy because I didn't you know I didn't want to worry people, and I still don't. I mean, you know, I I still post there fairly often, but you know, because I didn't have to do it, I wanted to do it. But yeah, the people and and it was, but it is funny because I still have people. Now you're going to write a book about this, aren't you? No, I mean, who'd want to read it? <laughs> you know? So yeah, it's it's we have to want to do it, mm-hmm. and and same thing with you know you were talking about New Year's resolutions. You know the the people who pick the big ones. You know I'm going to lose fifty pounds. I'm going to quit smoking. I'm going to stop drinking. I mean, you know all of those things. When it's because somebody else thinks that you should do it, almost never works. Right. And to your point earlier, you're talking about the big, hairy, audacious goals. Mm-hmm. And, and actually, in, in my framework of thinking about audaciousness, mm-hmm. we're going to work our way there through small incremental changes. Mm-hmm. Right. More than, not, and not that it's, I mean, sometimes those big, hairy, audacious goals give us the, uh, the vision. Right. Right. Because we mm-hmm. know that we need that overarching mm-hmm. vision that helps us get through mm-hmm. the times. In right. fact, you know, when we're, talking about vision there's this there's this quote that without where there is no vision the people perish mm-hmm. and and um i sometimes talk about like we have to learn to manage the tension between our vision and current mm-hmm. reality mm-hmm. and take inspired action rather than diminishing our our goals or our right. vision right because that's yeah, because then we have that negative conversation well you ding bat you know Right, right. And so, so keeping that vision intact, but then getting there through those small incremental mm-hmm. changes and, and working in ways that, that works for us mm-hmm. and then gathering our team around us, right? Mm-hmm. So we lead through example. I'm just a big fan of people creating a culture where people are free to be themselves mm-hmm. and, and bring their very best talents and gifts. And we all assume that people work for money. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course we do, but that's right. not our, right. our but it's not goal. the, it's not one of the ultimate goals. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And, and some of the research like with millennials is suggesting that, you know, if you think about Maslow's hierarchy of mm-hmm. needs, um, they're starting a couple rungs up, mm-hmm. right? Because, because some of those basic needs are just a given. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so they're looking for that self actualization mm-hmm. And, and fulfillment in their work, a sense of purpose. Right. And so when I go in and work with companies and business owners, sometimes what I realize is that that vision that the business owner may or may not be able to mm-hmm. articulate isn't always shared in a mm-hmm. way that really want, makes other people want to get right. up mm-hmm. and get out of bed and come to work mm-hmm. and fulfill this vision. Right. right, yeah. Just making you a bunch of money doesn't really excite me. No. <laughs> No, no. And even if I'm going to get a good paycheck, mm-hmm. what, what is it that's going to feel fulfilling right. to me, mm-hmm. right? Because again, I read this research a while back that, but when people first start out in the job market, they are full of um, hope that they're going to like impact the world. Right. And generally like one to two years into the workforce, and that has really, really diminished. Mm-hmm. Right. And now they're just sort of like, showing up mm-hmm. and doing what they need to mm-hmm. so that they can go home and enjoy the rest mm-hmm. of their day. 
And, and so the work that I'm talking about, as we seek to leverage strengths and cultivate potential and remove roadblocks that get in mm -hmm. people's ways, we're really helping them like have, have the kind of efficiency and flow during their work day. That means that they can enjoy the day when they're mm -hmm. at work and they've got energy left over right. for their, for their mm -hmm. most desired activities right. later right. on. Well, and companies are recognizing this and whether, you know, you're, you're a company of one or a company of thousands, you know, and technology has obviously helped, you know, there, there are some people who really are going to do their best work after 9 PM. Okay. That's not me, but if that's the person that I'm working with, then I need to recognize that, um, you know, and, and, and give them that freedom, you know, as opposed to, no, you have to be at work at 8 AM. And you have to take a 15 minute break and you, you know, and, and all of those very, you know, things that when, when, you know, I was younger and in corporate America, you know, the things that you were forced to do, you know, and, and no longer, I mean, yes, there are things that are clearly time sensitive, but, you know, and, but there are ways to adapt to those also, you know, can you participate in the conference call on your smartphone? Yeah. And, you know, all of these various things. And, and so that's where, as that leader, as you said, you need to recognize your team, you know, what's going to work best for them and then make sure that everybody knows, okay, I'm not showing favoritism to Nancy by letting her work from home. <laughs> you know, this is, this is just, you know, this is how it's going to work better. And, you know, and, and there are some people that really do need that structure, um, you know, and, and, and have to have that. And, and that's great. You know, they're, they're the people that have to come into the office. They have to be there at 8 a.m. They're not going to leave till 5. All of those various things. But, you know, it's, it's the, the, in this day and age, more and more, we're able to adapt to almost every single person's needs mm -hmm. or at least try. Right. And I think as, as business leaders, that's, that's the issue, right? Mm -hmm. To really assess what the business needs, right? right? Do they need a presence? Do mm -hmm. they need people to be there? Is the work collaborative? Even if it is, are there other ways to help that happen? Mm -hmm. So that people can feel satisfied mm -hmm. in, the, in the way that they're going about their day, mm -hmm. the things that they're able to fit in. Mm -hmm. And it really is a different kind of work environment nowadays right. than mm -hmm. we've had in the past. And mm -hmm. Technology allows for so much mm -hmm. of that. And, and so sometimes, sometimes we can get stuck in our ways, right, as mm -hmm. business leaders. Oh, yeah. and, and this is the way we've always done it. Yes, and, and this is what's needed. And so being able to really open up, and, and again, I talk about like dwelling in possibility. Mm -hmm. What is it that we really want? What is it that we're trying to accomplish? And then what are all the different possibilities mm -hmm. of how we could make mm -hmm. that happen? so that we can come together and create something that everybody feels great about. Right. Yeah, and, and it is going to entail some compromises. I mean, you know, it, it might just be that that person cannot work every night starting at 9 p.m. But, you know, how can you compromise with them? Um, you know, and, 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 you know, there are the people who, you know, they can do four 10-hour days, and that's perfect. And then there are those people who can get everything they need done in five hours. And then if you try and make them work, those extra three, it's unproductive. You know, they're going to disrupt other people, you know, because they've, mm -hmm. you know, they're, they're off pestering them, all of those various things. And, and, but it is hard because, you know, you're thinking, well, wait a minute, this person's working five hours and this person's working 10 doesn't seem fair. But if it's working, that's the important thing. Yeah, well, and again, that's when some of those the KPIs come into account mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. so on, so that people have some standards right. by which to measure their work and their effort mm -hmm. um, without having to necessarily go according to a schedule. Mm -hmm. But I was just um, leading a retreat out in California, and, and again, you know, the business owner and the other leaders there, there's this negotiation process mm -hmm. and sometimes it really just does have to get fleshed out because mm -hmm. it seems like there's unresolvable conflict in the beginning, mm -hmm. but as it turns out and as you talk it through, it's not unresolvable. Conflict right. really is, right? Mm -hmm. There's just ways that um, you need to, to think bigger, expand, mm -hmm. expand the pool of possibilities so that um, the actual needs can be met, mm -hmm. right? And the standards. Right. So. Yeah, you know, and and it, what does make it trickier is when leadership changes 
because they're going to have different views as to, to what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember long ago when I was in school, I was in what you would consider the, the gifted program. Mm-hmm. And so I took high school algebra when I was a seventh grader. That was great. Uh-huh. New principal when I was in eighth grade. And he said, no, nah, doesn't count. You got to do it again. And, and, we, and I actually changed principles three times. I took high school algebra three times. And so finally, by the time I was a freshman and was really supposed to be taking it, the, the very wise math instructor said, we're just going to skip, because there was a group of us that they mm-hmm. just kept doing mm-hmm. this to. And, and the very wise math instructor said, let's take the final and then we'll go from there. You know, and, and so then that was okay. But yeah, I mean, it was, it was very confusing because this person felt this way, then this person felt that way. And, you know, and, and as the student or, you know, as an employee, you get jerked around, you know, and, and, um, but that's where it comes back to the benefits of being audacious. Now, as, you know, a 12, 13 year old, however old, you know, and that's probably a little risky. But if you're an employee, you know, to, you know, you should be able to feel comfortable enough to say, wait a minute, you know, let's, let's have a discussion here and, and then go at it as adults. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And again, it's so interesting that you talk about um, what happened in your school and, and my goodness, how you needed resilience to go through mm-hmm. that process three times. But and I, and I remember none of it. I mean, that's the funny thing. I took algebra that many times and, and uh, X plus Y does not equal Z. I mean, <laughs> where you need to go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but but there is this this tendency, right? We think about like it, we often behave in work settings like mm-hmm. we did in school or right. there tends to be that that mm-hmm. kind of overlap. Mm-hmm. And and so yeah, what we wouldn't necessarily say in school are things that we do want to be saying and mm-hmm. bringing up um, in in our work lives. Mm-hmm. And in our relationships, mm-hmm. right, in our, right. our day-to-day interactions mm-hmm. as well. Right. So yeah. uh, back when I was leading this uh, Audacious Women's Group, we actually would, would ask the question, what would an audacious woman do? Mm. And, and that was actually a great question because it becomes, it becomes an antidote to shame right. or um, to regret even. Mm-hmm. It, it gives you a different measuring stick. And so sometimes women um, are the target for that. They're mm-hmm. the ones doing that. But audacious leaders, like mm-hmm. what would an audacious leader do? Mm-hmm. And, and again, so we're expanding the permission. And, and I think that's just such an important thing. And, and sometimes it's that we would become vulnerable. We would mm-hmm. share things. We would right. disclose things that we wouldn't mm-hmm. otherwise. Right, right. And sometimes it means that we find someone else to go do our disclosing to so that we can be the leader that we need to be mm-hmm. in this particular setting. Right. So again, it is this art of knowing what to do when. Mm-hmm. But what I find too is that that business leaders they they benefit so much from having people that they can talk things through right. with and have things reflected mm-hmm. back to them. So that they can really get the clarity because mm-hmm. leading, as you know, and I know, and <laughs> other business owners and leaders know, it can be a lonely right. experience. Mm-hmm. And, well, and, and so- we talked about the fact that, you know, you're there in your, your spare bedroom. I talk to the cat. The cat doesn't really talk back. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Or even if you're in the boardroom, right? Mm-hmm. Or you've got, you've got this mm-hmm. suite and, and you are the one who has to lead Mm-hmm. in this particular group mm-hmm. and you don't have, you don't have people to talk to or, mm-hmm. you know, places to bounce off ideas or ways to figure out, you know, like what, what should I be um, talking to my team about? Mm-hmm. What needs to be happening in my leadership team? What do I need to keep responsibility for mm-hmm. places to sort all that out places to put um, boundaries and mm-hmm. fences and set priorities around what we are going to do and what we're not going to do. These are all things that um, we work with in Audacious Leaders programs because they're the things that, that are really challenging mm-hmm. for us. Right. You know, and, and as you said, you know, we, we need those people to talk to. Um, you know, mastermind groups are, are great yes. for that, um, to yes. be able to, to have those conversations. You know, and, and so wherever you find that, you know, you, 
we, we do feel very isolated. So, you know, when you can talk about things like that, and, and again, that's where technology is so cool. You know, you can be in a mastermind group with people that are a thousand miles away, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and so, and, you know, it's, it's so find those things and, and see what works. And you, you know, you're probably not going to hit a home run the first time, but you'll find something that works for you. Yes. And, and this is one reason that podcasting is so much fun, right? Because you get to talk to other business owners, other leaders, and um, mind, um, what'd you call it? Masterminds, I think, are just like a wonderful gift uh, right. to, to business owners and leaders. Right. Well, you know, and the cool thing about it now is, you know, so many times people are like, well, I don't want to tell the person that I network with that I'm having trouble financially. Okay. So in a mastermind group, maybe you're talking to somebody who is a thousand miles away. So, you know, that's where it, it really can, can come in handy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's beautiful. Well, now, one of the other things that you work with people on is their hidden potentials. So talk mm-hmm. to us more about how we, what, how do we even figure those things out? And then what do we do with them? Yes. Well, again, um, what we're talking about really is begin to discover what our strengths are. Mm-hmm. And um, people, like I said, they often don't know what they are and they can't build on them. And when we think about what's happening in the brain from a neurological standpoint, mm-hmm. um, you know, what's, what's happening, things that we already know have neural bundles, right? Mm-hmm. Neurons that mm-hmm. fire together, wire together. And so we get these bundles. And, and so when we're working on the basis of our strengths and expanding from there, Mm -hmm. we actually learn much better. Mm -hmm. And so when we're talking about cultivating hidden potential, sometimes it's about finding out what those strengths are. And sometimes it's about really having that growth mindset. Mm. It's like, there is potential here, but I Mm -hmm. might not see it. Or Mm -hmm. I think this is covering, or I might be too too aware of my flaws Mm -hmm. or what people think of my weaknesses to really know what my strengths are. And Mm -hmm. Again, if we think about what the brain is, um, I believe it's uh, Rick Hansen who talks about the brain is Teflon for the good and Velcro for the bad. Oh, I know. You know that, <laughs> that bad stuff just... <laughs> right. And so when, when we're trying to develop our leaders mm-hmm. and our teammates, it really becomes important that we start with strengths mm-hmm. and, and work for that. And then what we're talking to is about having that developmental model. Mm-hmm. Um, the growth mindset rather than the fixed, understanding that these capabilities are are um, very much developmental in nature. Mm-hmm. And it begins with self-awareness. It begins with fostering empathy, communication skills. Um, there's all, all kinds of things that we can do, you know, understanding how habits change, mm-hmm. how behavior can be facilitated by changing the environment, by having triggers for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's so much that we know of now um, that helps us cultivate the potential that people have. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, it's interesting because as you were saying that, I was thinking, you know, so we, we discover this in ourselves, then we can help others. You know, we can mentor. Um, you know, we can see, oh my gosh, that person that I'm working with or, you know, volunteering with or children, you know, my own children, you know, whatever, then we can help them with all of this. But, you know, it, we have to, to do our work first before we can help them. Here, here. <laughs> Audacious leaders, we begin with ourselves. Mm-hmm. It's so true. And, and when we can really acknowledge um, our, when we can begin mm-hmm. with our own self-awareness and our impact on people mm-hmm. and understand how we can communicate effectively for other people's mm-hmm. styles not just our own, uh, it puts us in such a position of strength. And you're right, always it begins with ourselves mm-hmm. and then it radiates out and, and then cycles around. That's mm-hmm. how I like to think about it. Right. We create this, this wonderful flow. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I was definitely thinking of, you know, women helping other women, you know, when we, or, or young girls, you know, when, when we see that potential, we need to help them with it. Um, yes. You know, when we go to a networking meeting and we see somebody who's, you know, a little timid, a little, you know, cautious, what can we do to help them? Um, you know, and, and all these various things, because if we're not helping others, then that is a problem, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and, and I don't care if they're your direct competitor. 
you know what, there's enough that, you know, we, we should be able to help our direct competitors in a way that, that is going to be beneficial to everybody. Yes. And again, you're talking really about a whole attitude of abundance versus mm-hmm. scarcity, right? right? Our competitors, really, there's enough to go around. Mm-hmm. And I love that idea that when you see someone who might be struggling at a networking event or something, all of us are capable of mm-hmm. going over and, and lending a hand, right? Just right. going mm-hmm. over and talking to them. And great things happen when yeah. we extend ourselves like yeah. that. Yeah, you know, and maybe that's one of the, the goals that we need to have is when we go to a networking thing, if we see somebody who is by themselves, go talk to them. Mm-hmm. You know, even if it's just idle little chit chat, you know, go over and, and, and talk to them because more than likely they're new to the group and, you know, and, and, and they're there for whatever reason, you know, somebody told them they had to be their boss, you know, right. you know, whoever, just go over and talk to them and say, Hey, you know, welcome, you know, and, and develop that, that quick little, you know, conversation with them. And then maybe you're going to figure out, Oh my gosh, I need to introduce this person to that person. And then it just goes from there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I, I really do like to think about networking events as an mm-hmm. opportunity where we can be audacious and gracious. Mm-hmm. And I love that particular combination. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, because in, in, we, and I mean, there are times where I go to a group that I've been at, you know, 50 times and I'm just not feeling it. I'm just going to go stand in the corner. But if somebody comes and talks to me, then that's going to get me out of that mood, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, mm-hmm. and, um, but yeah, you know, especially if I see somebody who's new, I like to go in and just say, Hey, you know, welcome to the group. Is there anything I can do? And then you'll get feedback from them, you know, if they're just, eh, you know, but you know, it's, and, but you know, of course the funny thing is more than likely when you've gone and talked to them, somebody else is going to come up and join the group. And then it just, you know, kind of snowballs from there. Right. And we've all been there, right? We've all right. been at a networking event that, that we feel intimidated by right. for one reason right. or another, or wish that we could just kind of go home again. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. so having someone reach out to you mm-hmm. is such a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Right. And you never know, they might say, you know, I just, I really don't want to be here. And you're going to go, you know what? I don't either. And then you're going <laughs> to, that's where the conversation is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So, Nancy, we are almost at the top of the hour, um, and this has been so much fun. We just scratched the surface on this, so I'm sure we'll be chatting again. Um, But tell us a little bit more about how you work. And the one thing we didn't talk about is how you work with companies that are family-based. To me, that's a fascinating, I mean, that's a whole, you know, different thing. But tell us how you work with people to help them become audacious leaders. Yes. Well, actually, we start with their strengths, and then we really do work to cultivate that potential. So one-on-one, groups, teams? Both, yes. Uh, One-on-one, I do have a group program Mm -hmm. um, where people can get um, weekly group coaching live. And, um, And then we really do work to remove roadblocks. And those can be you know, within the leader. It can be within the leadership team, or it can be within the organization, wherever those are. And so, um, yes, sometimes, um, like I said, I just got back from California where I was doing an offsite retreat mm-hmm. with a family because there's so much at stake for families, right? Mm-hmm. right. And, and people don't like to rock the boat. They don't mm-hmm. want to bring up problems because they're not sure that they're going to find their way to a good resolution. Mm-hmm. And so right. those are the times that having an outside facilitator or trusted advisor is mm-hmm. such a helpful thing. Because it uh, gives permission or it gives freedom, actually, to go into areas that they don't dare go themselves, where they can actually resolve conflicts. Mm -hmm. Because uh, when we think about the dysfunctions of a team, we have to have that psychological safety Mm -hmm. and trust. And if that's gotten eroded over time, then we need someone to come in and really help rebuild that. Right. And, and help us move forward with and that. And of course, the family dynamic is, oi. <laughs> it can be. Yes, it can. Right, right. You know, I happen to love that. I've worked mm-hmm. with families for many, many years. And um, I just find it, there's so much richness in mm-hmm. those relationships right. and, mm-hmm. and in the success of being able to manage those tensions. Perfect. I love it. Well, how do people connect with you? Um, my website is a great place, nancyyonker.com, and it's N-A-N-C-Y-J-O-N-K-E-R.com. And uh, I also um, can be found, my podcast is on audaciousnow.com. Mm-hmm. And as you know, being the LinkedIn guru that you are, that uh, LinkedIn is also a great place 
So perfect. Perfect. Mm -hmm. I love it. Well, do you have any final thoughts for everyone? Um, I would, I would go back to where we began today to begin practicing these power poses, Mm -hmm. have a daily gratitude practice Mm -hmm. and practice this resilience of mindful self-compassion and, uh, and have that, that being mindful and connecting to common humanity and practicing self-kindness. Those are some wonderful things. And then I do have um, at um, audaciousnow.com breakthrough, mm-hmm. uh, there is um, an infographic with 10 action steps that people yeah. could take today Perfect to um, help them along this road. I love it. I love it. Well, this really has been delightful, Nancy. I've been having a great time talking with Nancy Yonker. I'm Deb Creer. And until next time, everyone have a great day. Tune in for our next program for even more trends, best practices, and techniques for how to make your business a success. The Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer, is proud to be part of the C-Suite Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.